Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm joined today uh, by Jerry Hamilton. Jerry and I are going to talk uh, about uh, some Texas football recruiting, uh, where the horns are headed. Uh, going into the Christmas break right now uh, with some players as well as some recent coaching changes. If you enjoy this video, please make sure you subscribe using the, uh, just click on the right, right hand, uh, lower right hand side, there's a red button, click subscribe so you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, Jerry uh, and I also work for Inside Texas uh, and uh, we have a subscription special going on right now there uh, for those of you interested in uh, hearing about the Longhorns all day, every day, and, and visiting with us on the on the message boards, and uh, also getting information from other people like Eric Nalin, uh, Joe Cook, Justin Wells, uh, Ian Boyd, Paul Wadlington, and Hudson Standish. We have a full staff there. All right, Jerry. Without further ado, let's let's just d- dig into it. Uh, we found out over the weekend uh, that Texas made a move. Uh, Texas has hired Tashard Choice as a running back coach. Number one. Uh, number to replace Stan Drayton. Uh, number two, we learned that Andre Coleman will not be returning as wide receivers coach next year. As it relates to choice, let's just start right in. He comes to us, uh, uh, comes to Austin, excuse me, from uh, Georgia Tech. He had actually started to be on the staff six days ago or seven days ago now at USC, but is instead going to go back to Austin. Um, I'll tell you what, what is the MO for him on recruiting, number one? And number two, does this mean Texas might look at taking a second running back in the 2022 class? Yeah, I think the, your first point, Bobby, is, you know, I spoke with a couple of high school coaches that had top running backs. And this was months before Choice ended up going to USC and then now at Texas. And we're just talking. And I was like, I asked a question, one of the top five backs in the country. I said, why? You know, why'd you guys take the, you know, the unofficial Georgia Tech? And this high school coach came back to me, and said, Tashard Choice has the best recruiting presentation I've ever seen for a running back. And he said, and I've been doing this. He was like, I've been coaching 20 years. And he said, but the, the presentation, the communication of the presentation, he said, he has just got it. He said, he has a great plan. And he said, that plan is right out there in front. Uh, for the coaches and kids to see. And he just went on and on about the presentation and the way that Choice communicated that presentation. And I had another coach that has a, a top flight running back that made an unofficial visit to Georgia Tech say the same thing. Um, and so that it, one, if one person says it right, Bobby, you, you kind of say, okay, that's impressive. If two people and then three people start to say the same thing, uh, you know Steve Sarkeesian hired uh, the right guy at running back coach. And and I think your second point is, and it'll be interesting to see, I don't have the answer right now. Do they make a run at a second back in this class? Um, or, you know, I don't think a transfer makes much sense to me. I mean, Bijan's got a year. 
you know, Brooks, Rochon's back. I mean, it, taking a transfer that's going to have expectations of carries doesn't make sense. So could they take a look at a second back? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, or maybe you just go all in on Ruben Owens and tell him he's the guy in 2023, which that wouldn't be a bad play either. Um, and so I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And for the uh, fans that follow the Ruben Owens recruitment, they've made an unofficial to Georgia Tech. Tashard Choice has been recruiting Owens and the father for a while now. So this is not anything that Choice has to hit the ground and build new relationships. Those relationships are already intact with the top guys that Texas is recruiting because Choice is already recruiting Dallas, Houston area. He was on a lot of the top young kids in Texas. You know, Choice is a former NFL player. I think he played six seasons in the NFL. Um, has been a coach, uh, now started his coaching career with the Cowboys as an intern. Then his first real job, I guess, as a position coach was at North Texas before heading to uh, uh, Georgia Tech. Interesting to me, uh, Jerry, uh, you know, Stan Drayton was known as a great coach, but not necessarily a top-end recruiter. However, he was a big reason why Texas landed uh, B. John Robinson. And so it's hard for me to sit here and say, well, are they getting a better recruiter in Tishard Choice or Tishard Choice? Then they had, uh, uh, then they got out of Stan Drayton. My thought process on that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is they may have just as good a recruiter at running backs coach, but he also may may be able to land other guys just outside of running backs. I, I think that's spot on, Bobby, because I think you kind of look at it the way we talked about Jeff Banks in a way with the Texas staff, right? He's in on his guys, kind of the big game hunter at that position, but then he kind of helps with a lot of other recruitments, right? Set the table um, for those communications, relationships. I kind of see choice the same way. I don't know if recruiting anymore is, hey, you have this area of Houston, go recruit those guys. I, I'm not sure that's where we're at in recruiting anymore. I mean, I think the main thing is that, okay, you recruit your guys, you're a big game hunter at your position, and then how else can you help the talent acquisition with relationships, who you know, just maybe a, a prior relationship with a kid coming into Texas. I think that's really how you're going to see this staff work um, and, and maybe in recruiting work more in the future, more than just designated areas. And this is who you recruit. But I think choice. The other thing with choice, though, is, look, Texas obviously wants to try to recruit in Georgia and that is obvious, right? And with the move to the SEC, um, you know, the staff was built to recruit in Louisiana and had success. Now can you go even farther east? Well, Choice has tons of connections in that area. He's been recruiting kids for years now in that area and has some strong bonds and a relationship with high school coaches. So I think if you see him target an area, I kind of could see that being one he targets in the future. That's interesting because if you do think about it, Texas not only signed a, a player – or player from Louisiana. They also signed one from Mississippi and yep. then Alabama. Further down I-10 and all the way I-20, I guess, you would uh, end up in Georgia. And so I, I think that that's, that's an interesting look as Texas moves uh, to the SEC. And the Texas staff, when January rolls around and they can get out again, I'm telling you, uh, they're going to be in Florida. D-linemen, running backs, they're going to go visit some of those top guys. So I think with this move to the SEC, you're going to see even more time spent in Georgia and Florida, uh, at least kicking the tires and seeing what happens. All right. Uh, Texas uh, also, it, it's been learned that uh, Andre Coleman, the wide receivers coach that was retained uh, by 
Steve Sarkeesian last year on his initial staff at Texas uh, is no longer expected to return. Uh, we have heard some names thrown out there, uh, but none of them, uh, to our knowledge, actually have an offer at this time. I mean, again, we're taping at a certain time during the day here, so it could change. Everything could change in an hour, so we realize that. But Jerry, um, why do you think Andre Coleman was let go? Um, was it strictly recruiting? Um, was it something? I mean, I, I don't ask you. I, I guess. I can speak to that, what I think. I think it was right. recruiting related. Uh, and so do you see it that way most likely? I, I do. I do see it that way most likely. I, I, I've just always gone back to, and look, I put everything on the entire offensive staff, but there were way too many really good receivers in Texas in 2022 not to offer, you know, Matthew Golden until after a senior season, Nicholas Anderson, you know, I mean, those are guys you have to be on early and you have to have a, you know, you have to cast a wider net when there's that many talented kids in a class in state. And, and I just thought Texas kind of boxed themselves into a corner at wide receiver in this. And look, Brendan Thompson's a hell of a player, fast, one of the fastest three or four guys in the country. Great get. Um, but I think, you know, look, they were talking to somebody close to Armani Winfield. Armani felt like um, he was wanted more by Michigan State and Baylor at the end of the day than he was Texas. And I think that's all part of the recruiting process. When you have a kid committed, these kids talk. Armani Winfield knows, he knows how hard Texas is going after Evan Stewart. And if he doesn't feel like any of that same love is being reciprocated, that's when kids peel. And that's when uh, Texas tried to come back in and get Winfield. And at the end of the day, he went with the, he went with the program that he thought showed him the most how much they needed him not wanted him so I, I i think there's some issues there and 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 but i think the biggest one is not casting a wide enough net in state in 2022 when there are multiple guys that'll be draft picks one day barring the unforeseen um your thoughts on uh i guess there is one other in-state receiver that texas is still after that has an offer but, you know, we're not sure exactly where Texas stands at this point, and that's Caleb Douglas, uh, formerly committed to USC, and Kerry Colbert, the yeah. wide receivers coach, was at USC, now at Florida. There's some thought that Texas might be interested in that receivers coach, but Caleb Douglas uh, was committed to USC, now looking heavy at Florida. Uh, that's a possibility? I, I think it's a long shot because Kerry Colbert's at Florida. Uh, he, you know, uh, Caleb's making an official visit that first week in the uh, in June 15th when everything opens back up, right? So Florida's going to get him on campus first. Kerry Colbert has the best relationship with him. He was committed to USC, obviously, like you said. Um, and so I think that's one, even though the kid's at Hightower, um, I think Texas had, would have their work cut out for him. They offered December, what, 10th or right around their 8th. So that's a late offer in the process. So you're already starting behind the eight ball when Kerry Colbert's at Florida. I think that one could be a, a little bit of a tougher haul than people would think, um, even though he's, you know, from Missouri City, just because of relationships built in with Colbert. Yep, and, and it, it is. The first week, that first visit weekend is January 15th. Um, one more recruiting thing to, to, to note uh, uh, before we get into this other stuff. Texas having some a big junior day of sorts in February is that is that the the plan right now? 
Yeah, I, I, I think so in February. And um, I think you're going to see these all these schools attack this just as hard, maybe earlier than ever. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing some kids start to commit right now. There's gonna, probably going to be a few more on Christmas Day, right? And I, I do know that the, uh, the 2023 second look evaluations and really pinpointing the top targets is that's well underway um, in Austin right now. And uh, there's a lot of video being watched as they prepare for that in February. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, they got to get ready to go on the road in January and see some that's of those right. guys, right? And, and that's going to be huge. And that's going to be huge kind of building that board and making those decisions on who your top targets are early in February. And I think you know most of them, but I also think this can change from January uh, 17th through that first weekend in February. So Friday night, and, and I mentioned this with, I talked with Eric about this, Friday night, Steve Sarkeesian tweeted out a little, you know, let's go kind of, uh, tweet that was somewhat cryptic. Yeah. Um, we don't know for sure who that was, uh, but the guys that were still on the table, Devon Campbell, Amari Abor, Larry Turner Gooden, Ernest Green, Harold Perkins, Jacoby Matthews. We think it might be Campbell based on his uncle's retweet, but truthfully, we don't know. Um, you know, where is, where do we know any of those guys have definitely gone anywhere at this time? Has Ernest Green been announced for Georgia, for example? No, Ernest Green announces his – he's signed, but he will announce his decision January 8th at the Adidas All-America Bowl. If that's not Georgia, I'll be surprised. Um, I think Texas' best bets of those group guys you mentioned are Devon Campbell and Larry Turner Gooden. I think Jacoby Matthews is a complete wild card. He's expected to announce January 2nd the Under Armour game. Um, that, that recruitment's a complete, it's almost like Neto at this point, anything that turns up where he goes, I'm not going to be surprised. Um, you know, I, I just think Alabama has time. LSU has to feel a lot of pressure right now to get Jacoby Matthews after Kendrick Law and Shaz Preston go to Alabama. I think and another receiver team, go to Alabama too. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Anderson, Aaron Anderson. And they tried to flip LSU tried hard to flip him. So, I mean, look, Jacoby Matthews heads to Alabama too. That's not good. I mean, let's be real. That's what four of the top five, six guys in the state are going to Alabama. It's not ideal, especially if Keyshawn Butte goes there too out of the portal. So, I mean, the Jacoby Matthews recruitment is really big for Brian Kelly and Frank Matthews. So my point is, or Frank Wilson, sorry. So my point on what Matthews is, I have no idea where I would love this to tell people, I think this it's going to end up this way or this way. I don't. I mean, you know, the kid was committed to LSU, backed off that, looked like he was going A&M, went cold on A&M. Uh, then you start hearing positive things about Texas. But as you know, Bobby, if that if it's a if he hasn't signed and it's a commitment January 2nd, but don't sign until February 3rd, I don't even care where he commits on the 2nd. You know, that's just that just starts the process for him. That month of January is going to be wild because he didn't make the official visit to Alabama because Ponchatoula was in the state championship game. So he could still make that late January official to Alabama if Nick's got room. Oh, and that's the worst news for Texas and LSU. Yeah, he's, he's good. Um, I, I know you watched some of the state championship games. Anybody catch your eye as better than anticipated? Look, I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting here bragging. We have Cameron, we have Cameron Williams, the only, uh, only people that really have him ranked high. Uh, you know, I had him in the top 300 ESPN before we came over to on three, but uh, you know, he's a top 100 kid in the country to me, Bobby. I mean, look, he put, he just threw out a senior tape last night. Um, 
it, it's and just you're, you're talking about the just so everybody knows because a lot of people were yeah. getting New Year's. This is a uh, the offensive lineman from Duncanville. Duncanville, uh, right. Go ahead, Jerry. Sorry. We have we have him right now, four star, two hundred and seventy nine, I believe, in the country. Um, look, and I get why some people had him rank lower because when he was at the Under Armour camp, which I was a part of back at that time, he was three hundred ninety one pounds. He didn't test real well. He's three hundred ninety one pounds, but I think people miss on him what he does on the basketball court just from running up and down the court. But then to see him on the field, I think the question he answered for me in that game and then against North Shore, and then on his senior tape is he's a more physical player than he was as a junior. I said the same thing about Kelvin Banks. And I think, Bob, we said this a couple of weeks ago, Bobby, about talking about Cam Williams when he committed. That's the question you have with him. Is he going to be as physical as Kelvin Banks and Neto show on tape, right, and Connor Robertson shows on tape? Well, if he is that physical and you put that frame out there and the way he can move his feet for a big man, you suddenly have – to me, a top 100 kid in the country prospect-wise. I, I just think he's a big-time guy. I think Texas offensive line class is easily the best uh, the, this program signed. I'm actually going to put something out on Inside Texas about that. And then, you know, look, if you add Devon Campbell to it, Texas has never signed two five-star offensive linemen in the same class, by the way. Yeah, I mean, so that's how good this class could be. Uh, Ethan, but, and I'll say this, Bobby, Ethan Burke, too. Look, Ethan Burke, Vosick's a good player. I think Ethan Burke's a better athlete. A longer kid, uh, maybe quicker first step. Uh, I, I think Ethan Burke was a huge flip over Michigan because Texas has to find edge rush. They have to in the program. And, and I think uh, I think he's got a chance to do that. And I actually talked with uh, Connor Robertson earlier today about Ethan Burke. And he said, look, he said his combination of long and quick first step and length, he said, is tough to deal with. Uh, was tough to deal with in the one-on-ones in the spring and everything because Burke was injured. He broke his collarbone as a junior, so he missed a lot of time. He came back in the playoffs, but Connor said that it's just a combination of that long first step, quick first step, and length. All at the same time up on you makes him tough in pass pro. Uh, so once Burke really refines some pass rush techniques, watch out, and adds 30 pounds to that frame. Yeah, I thought Colton Vosick is the other guy you're talking about. I thought he played extremely well, one defensive MVP. Jaden yep. Greathouse won the offensive MVP, uh, the receiver. Um, he, I think he's Oscar Giles's cousin, correct? Yeah, I, I believe that's right, yeah. yeah. And, and um, Bobby, by the way, Chris Ross looked really good, too. I mean, Chris Ross looked really good. I mean, he is just such a big-time athlete. And you talk about guys, you know, who are six, those 6'3", six, 280-pound guys who are going to put on 20 muscle, pounds of muscle quickly in college. He's the guy. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to shot put 62, 63, 64. He says 65. I might make a bet with him on that one. But you're talking about a 60-plus shot putter who he's not even close to being as strong as he's going to be, right? He's got the quickness and the explosiveness, and he's got the length, and he showed all that against Dunkerville. Now, once he gets to Texas and they put that weight on him, watch out. He's got a chance. I also like the uh, the uh, quarterback from Denton Guy. I thought he looked yes. good. Uh, the the athlete really out of Shiner, I thought showed some real explosiveness. Yeah, the Dalton Brooks I think is a top fifty type kid in the country. Um, so went and saw him in person this year. I've seen him before, obviously. And look, he's a kid who, when I was there, said I want to play safety. Well, that just made that just elevated him in my mind because there are all, that many guys that will come out and say that to you, right? Especially to that talented at receiver. 
on offense and have the ball in their hands that much. But I think he's got the physicality, the range, the hands, the ball skills, and the size to be really good as a safety. Jerry, I want to ask you something. This, I'm just taking my list over here, just, just going through it. Who are – and this is just us going off, off, off into a tangent here. Who are the guys in this class that you think play this recruiting class that signed uh, just in January here? Who are the guys that you think play early for Texas? Brian Allen at safety, early enrollee. Terrence Brooks at cor- corner or nickel, early enrollee. I think both those guys, those guys are going to compete for starting spots. If I'm wrong, I'll come back and say I was wrong. I think those guys are going to compete for starting spots next year. And that's nothing against the guys at Texas. I think them being early enrollees is going to give them the ability to do that. Uh, Kelvin Banks, I think, starts at tackle at some point next season. I think it'll be early in the season. If he was an early enrollee, I'd call my shot and say he's a starting left tackle game one or right tackle, whichever one he's most comfortable at. I think he's going to start as a freshman at Texas. I think he's that talented. I think he became that physical of a player as a senior, and I think he's um, – I think he's got a real focus on, on, on what he wants to do. Um, and, and I think he's going to pick up things quickly. I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. Uh, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I could see Cam Williams, Bobby. I know it sounds like a stretch, but look, I could see him. If he was an early enrollee, I'd say the same thing. He challenged somebody uh, because these are more physical guys on the offensive line than what Texas has recruited. And I, and if Cam was an early enrollee, I would say, oh, they'll get him his body where he needs to be, and he'll be ready to roll. But that may, that may keep him in more of a reserve role. Uh, Brennan Thompson's going to play a lot. There, there's not anybody that fast in the program, right? And somebody's got to help take pressure off Xavier Worthy and do it in multiple ways where Steve Sarkeesian can move the guy around within the offense. I think Brennan Thompson's absolutely that guy. And I think a couple of those D line, we're going to have to come up. Somebody's going to have to come, come in and maybe surprise in that edge position and bring some situational pass rush. Um, who that is. I don't know. Can Ethan Burke get there physically quick enough? We'll see. Jamon tap is, is he mentally going to be where, where that staff trusts him to put him out there in game in crucial situations. We'll see justice Finkley coming in at midterm, Aaron Bryant coming in at midterm, uh, those guys will probably work their way into the rotation. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say they can start, but I think they're going to work their way into the rotation. A big one is Jure Bledsoe. Look, he's the class work is done. Now you're waiting to make sure he gets uh, – to be everything done to be an early enrollee. But the work that's been done there to even get to this point is kind of crazy to me. And I know the, there's there's no test anymore, but – I'm just telling you, he had a ways to go a year ago to get to this point, to have the 2-3 GPA to 2.0 core, have the correct core classes. If they get him in at midterm, he's going to surprise probably because he is so gifted. He's so gifted. He's never been with a nutritional program. He's never been in a big-time weight program. He might just blow up quickly. I mean, and you just don't know. But then that's kind of going to be like tap. You're going to have to mature from being small town to big city and big program guy. It's not the football, it's everything around the football. So that's why I bet on Brooks, Brian Allen, Kelvin Banks, Brennan Thompson, I think some mature focused kid. I think those are positions of need and obviously Quinn Ewers. I was going to say, I was waiting for you not to mention him so I could bring him up. Uh, obviously Quinn Ewers is the most important uh, recruit in the class. Uh, I consider him recruit uh, because look, that position has to be nine win, 10 win level. Uh, for all these other guys to 
you know, everything that kind of fit together. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at it in, in without Quinn Ewers, this class suddenly looks, looks uh, good on the lines, but not good everywhere else. Uh, especially uh, in retrospect now looking at Casey Thompson's decision uh, to transfer. Um, so yeah, I, I think and, that and, and Bobby, that's going to be huge. I mean, I think, you know, look, Quinn's they're going to need Quinn to be really good in the spring because the chances are you could see somebody else. I mean, I'm not saying, but this is modern day college football, right? I mean, so guarantee Hudson Carr will be back next year, right? And I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just following the patterns in college. That's all you can do is follow the patterns, right? And see what happens. So if Quinn walks out of that, the spring as the starter, he's got to be really good because chances are you might lose the guy behind him. Yeah, I, I, I'm I totally with you on this. Um, I uh, I still believe that uh, B.J. Allen is my pick, man, on that. Yeah. Other than yours, I think that uh, B.J. Allen has just got a little something to him uh, as a player, I think, and interested to see how that goes. Uh, the, the deal with the offensive linemen, as you know, Jerry, when they take that step up in physicality, they they really have to bring it on a play-by-play basis. Yep. Um, and uh, I think bank and I think banks is the best prepared to do that. I've seen that Texas has signed in a while, because if you just think about it, I know it's not the same, but the guy plays North shore. He plays a task right? They play a schedule. They play games where you have to bring it against better, bigger athletes than most kids in high school do. So he's been forced to bring it every Friday night now in his senior year. I mean, I, I don't know how they do the touchdown Houston touchdown club players of the year, but he would have been my guy on offense. I just, I mean, I know quarterbacks win the award. I get it. But Kelvin Banks was the most dominant offensive player in Houston as a senior. All right, Jerry Hamilton. Thank you so much. Um, that's been our rec- weekly recruiting recap and look forward show uh, Jerry of inside Texas and on three. Uh, if you're interested in inside Texas, please join us at insidetexas.com. Uh, that's where we're at. Uh, we we have a recruiting database. Uh, you can search all the players you want, as well as talk to us on the message boards, read content about the team uh, and what's going on there as well. Uh, and then also, if you're interested in this uh, YouTube channel uh, and want to get some video updates, please click the, the uh, red button in the lower right-hand portion of the screen. Uh, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. Thank you for tuning in to On Texas First. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.